When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Debbie Delight, brought to you by ExpandTheBoxScore.com, with your hosts Ricky Valero and Chris Stoops, bringing you all the guys who should be on your fantasy radar this season and leading into your upcoming rookie draft. Welcome to another edition of the Debbie Delight, brought to you by Expand the Box Score. This week, we are going to cover part two of our running back episode. Last week, we covered our top five guys that we like, and we gave our rankings as well. And this week, we are going to cover... Uh, the bottom half of the rankings, and also give our top 15 at the end of the episode. As always, I am joined by my partner in crime and co-host, Stoops. How are you, buddy? I am doing fantastic. So I've got another little little fun little thing going on here. So again, we look at the numbers. We look at stats. It's it's kind of what we do, especially here with Expand the Box Score. So I went and looked at it, and I was curious, because we've been looking at a lot of these quarterbacks, and especially, you know, I love Jake Fromm. Everyone kind of talks about how how his completion percentage, he's always taking those safe passes, always taking those, you know, short intermediate passes. Um, so his completion percent percentage is a little bit higher. So I was curious what the best completion percentage in college was. So I went and looked at it. Um, it's actually Colt McCoy um, in 2008. He was at 76.7 completion percentage for the season. And these are all based off of, um, I think it was like a minimum of 14 pass attempts a game. It's kind of what it would average out to is kind of the, the base minimum. So if you were less than that, you weren't on there essentially. But Colt McCoy was number one, 76.7. Kellen Moore was actually number two, 74.3 completion percentage. And then Dante Culpepper was number three uh, back in 1998 with 73.6. So I went and looked and kind of looking at where we are sitting currently. If things were to end today, we would have one, two, three, four. Three guys finish above Colt McCoy with the highest completion percentage. Will this change? Absolutely. The, now we're getting into the meat of the, the schedules for a lot of these teams, especially the guys who are sitting at top two. So number one right now is Joe Burrow, 78.4 completion percentage. And no, I did not seek that out. It just <laughs> fell into my lap. If that's just how it is. Um, Jake Fromm, again, just how it fell. He was sitting at number two, 77.5. Actually, I'm sorry. He's number three. Um, I have him. In, in a flipped order, the third. So Keaton Slavis, I guess how you, uh, you know, I, I think that's how you say it from Stanford. He's been hurt. So he's not um, comp- um, attempting as many passes. He's not out there playing, but he's at 77.9 and Jake Fromm is at 77.5. So I flipped those by accident, but nonetheless, um, if it were to end today, we'd have three guys essentially basically high, as, as higher than what Colt McCoy put together. I think Joe Burrow and Jake Fromm, if I think they'll continue on the path that they're going for the rest of the season, and they they could they could um, t- you know take over. Essentially, only one would get the number one spot for the best completion percentage in a, in a college football season. But I don't see it out of reach for either one of them to to become that guy now. Um, and then even below that, Tua he's sitting at seventy six point four right now. Jalen Hurts seventy five point two. Um, and then Tyler Huntley out of Utah, he's at 74.6. And then Jake um, Cone, uh, I don't think, I'm not, honestly, I don't know how to say it, from Wisconsin, um, 74.6. And then Justin Herbert, he's down there at 71.6. He dropped down a little bit more once we got these updated stats in there. So I just found it interesting that there was so many guys from one year that close to the top um, for completion percentage for the season. Again, it, it's been, as you've said, it, it's cupcake season. It's It's been a lot of the easier games right now. There have been some competition, you know, games in there for a couple of these teams. But overall, they've been pretty easy games. Uh, but now we're starting to get into the meat of the schedules. We're going to see what these quarterbacks really are capable of doing um, against some top-notch defenses. So going to be interesting to see. But I just thought that was pretty pretty crazy to see that there's seven, eight guys that are potentially um, in, in, the, in the running to set the record for highest completion percentage in a college football season. It really is nuts because 
in college, in my opinion, sometimes in college, like the higher percentage uh, completion ratios come from the guys that play in the outlandish uh, conferences. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, and this year we've seen some actual real raw quarterbacks go out there and throw some great passes and, and consistently on a consistent basis. Um, I, I think that we do have a lot of these guys, like you said, that at the same time that are about to hit that meat and potatoes of the schedule. Um, especially the guys across the, you know, the SEC, those guys are going to have some really hard games coming up. Even, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. And I, I know I talk about him a lot, but whatever, I don't really care anymore. But Joe Burrow <laughs> against this Florida defense is going to be a huge game. Uh, that's a huge test for him because they can get to the, they can get to the quarterback period. You Big know what time. I mean? Like they can get to the quarterback and it's going to be interesting to see how he's able to adapt to a pass rush like that. Um, Texas was able to get to him a little bit but and pressure him, but he ain't seen nothing like Florida yet. So it's going to be interesting to see what he does against uh, against a, a stout defense like that. Even I mean, even A&M's defense is pretty solid. So I'm going to be interested to see what he does, uh, what Tua does against A&M's defense. Now, their offense might be a different story, but it's going to be interesting to see what they do as well. And Hurts, it's going to be interesting to see what he does this weekend against Texas. Texas, Texas. Is, a, is a big is a big boy uh you know, a big boy defense, and then same can be said for Ellinger. I'll be interested to see what he does against Oklahoma. There's a lot of big games this weekend, but I mean, as this as this season continues to wind down, we're getting closer and closer. It, that means we're getting closer and closer to these big games, and I'm interested to see what these big quarterbacks do against these uh, bigger schools. I mean, Georgia, you got Fromm coming up. He's got some, you know, he's got Florida coming up on the schedule. He's got Auburn coming up on the schedule. You know, these they've got some tough, you know, tough sledding over the next couple of weeks. So it's gonna be interesting to see if they can keep on. Uh, par with what they've got going on or we're going to see some you know reality checks for some of these quarterbacks and and you you just said it uh, and, and it's this is where we're going to find out who is real in the sec you know because you you hear these um analysts or, or just people out there saying well there's going to be four sec schools in the in the playoffs no there won't because they're going to beat up on each other so it's like now we're hitting that point and we're going to find out is lsu for real is georgia for real is auburn is florida like we're going to find that out because this is when they all start to play each other and obviously only one team can win um given the the lsu a&m seven overtime game last season they'll go until it's over so <laughs> someone's got to win um, and this is, this is the week, you know, these next, actually right over this next month, um, yep. is, is when a lot of those games fall. There's a couple of the, the big time matchups at the, you know, last week or two of the season, but this next three to four weeks, that's when these big games are played against all these opponents. So it's going to be very fun and interesting to see how, how the sec amongst the other, um, conferences, cause even in the big 10, you got some big time matchups coming up there. You've got, you know, Ohio state starting to play some, some of the top competition out there. So going to be interesting to see how all these conferences start to pan out. Yeah, it'll definitely uh, be interesting to see if Jordan Love can play any better over these next couple weeks because he really – look, and I don't mean to go on a Jordan Love tangent, but we talked about it a little bit off the air. But to be honest with you, I was very impressed with how uh, he made the LSU defense look like the 85 Bears last week. Um, I know that I've got a lot of things to say about Jordan Love, but we started talking about quarterbacks, and I just wanted to say that um, – if you have anybody out there that knows about football, if you can really break down to us what you see in Jordan Love, please do us that favor because I have not seen Jordan Love do anything worthwhile this year. Yeah, no, and, and, and I'm on the same boat, and I'm sure – I know you saw it, and I'm sure a lot of other people saw it. You know, whenever I posted out the tweet, just kind of given his completion percentage, his interceptions compared to touchdowns, it's it's I'm just not seeing it. You know, one of the responses I got was, well, he just played LSU. Okay, cool, go look at the other games. He threw three interceptions and two interceptions in another game. So you take that LSU game out, he's still thrown five interceptions compared to his six touchdowns. Like, it, it, I'm just not seeing it. The completion percentage is – what I think it was less than 63%. So I, I, I don't know. I, I'm just not seeing it. So like you said, anybody out there, if, if you can, and, I, and I'm being 100% honest, if you can break it down and, and sell me on what you see, then I'm all aboard, you know? And, and I told you off air, I have been wrong before. So if Jordan Love, you know, starts to turn it around, becomes a first round talent, gets drafted there, and he, you know, takes off in the NFL, I will admit it. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big enough man that if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I'll tell you. But right now, I'm just I'm just not seeing it. I don't see what what a lot of people do. Me neither. And folks, like I said, we're gonna dive right into our second half of our um, rankings. We're gonna talk about uh, running back rankings. We're gonna talk about a couple of guys that are right there on the cusp of the top five. 
and then we're going to dive into a couple guys that we think are sleepers and the guys that you need to look for look look at um, heading up into these Debbie drafts because there's a couple of guys. This running back class is very deep and very strong, and I think there's going to be some guys that you can find in the later rounds that are going to produce and give you some fantasy points, especially in these deeper leagues. All right, Stoops, you go ahead and kick us off with the first running back we're going to talk about on uh, part two of this uh, running back rankings. Yeah, so the first guy we're going to talk about, Eno Benjamin, um, out of Arizona State, uh, very shifty runner. I was watching some 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 YouTube clips of him, um, very shifty runner. And one thing I noticed, and it was just kind of one game, but they're playing Michigan State. Um, a lot of his yards came from him creating those yards. And, and I don't mean that in the sense of, obviously, he can't block for himself, but his offensive line just didn't look very good. And again, Michigan state is a little bit higher, you know, of a caliber team. Um, but he just, he created a lot of his own yards by his shifty running. So yes, the offensive lines out there. Yes. His receivers are blocking for him, but he created a lot of his own yards. Um, he was a four-star prospect coming out of high school. He was ranked 131st in his class. Um, and he was the ninth ranked overall running back, um, in his, in his class. So he's sitting at number one on his team in the, the total scrimmage yard distribution at 28.5%. So definitely highly in, involved in the offense. He's definitely a focal point. Um, he's had some stellar games. Um, he gets the ball probably about on average, honestly, about 20 times a game. So definitely like to see, see him getting the ball quite a bit. He had a hundred yards against Kent state. So, you know, eh. A so-so defense, you could say, so-so team. Um, but when they played Cal, 29 carries, 100, um, 100 rushing yards, and three rushing touchdowns. Catches the ball very, very well. Um, one of the things I did notice about the Michigan State game was that off basically the offensive line couldn't block, so the quarterback was rushing, and he was just rifling the ball at, at Eno. So he couldn't catch those necessarily, but when that ball is where it needs to be, he's a very smooth pass catcher. He's able to catch it on the run and just kind of make – make plays once the ball is in his hands. So um, he's not used a whole lot in the red zone, but he does have six rushing touchdowns in the red zone. So um, definitely, definitely not afraid of contact. He, he does what he needs to do to get those yards, especially um, the touchdowns when he gets down, down into the red zone. Um, and again, Sacramento state, he had a 72 yard um, re uh, receiving touchdown. So definitely able to get out in the open field and make things happen. He's got some, some good, good speed. Um, I absolutely love, love, you know, he's, he's one of the guys when I really first started getting into, to Devi, um, he was one of the guys that, uh, really started to pop off, um, you know, in my mind really early on. And I've kind of just kept track of him throughout the, throughout the last season and then into this season, obviously. So definitely a guy I really, really like. You know, it's crazy to me about him is the fact that I think that he's got the potential to be one of the better backs in this draft. And, and, and to be honest with you, I don't think that with as talented as this draft is, obviously, depending on um when these guys come out and stuff like that if some of them decide to you know to hang back or whatever like he's he could go up a little bit more on the draft board but um outside of Chuba I think he's he's one of the best bell cow backs in this draft um last year he had 325 total touches uh for 1905 yards and 18 touchdowns um they ride this man just <laughs> they just I mean so far this year 29 carries 20 carries obviously the um, Michigan State game 11 carries but 24 or 22 carries like he consistently averages almost 20 plus carries per game they're getting the ball in his hands the offense facilitates around him um uh, he's got like a 28.5 percent market share on yards for this team uh he's a dual threat which you know I've talked about probably a thousand times on this on this show about how much I love it I mean he had 33 catches last year uh, for 247 yards so I mean he's used out of the backfield which is kind of crazy because he is a he's kind of a bruiser back but at the same time seeing him be able to catch the ball out of the backfield is very very vital um it's the one stat that really got to me was uh he had he averages 4.2 yards per carry on first down um that's pretty impressive um for me because that that jump starts your offense you know what I mean four carries on a first down is is pretty awesome uh, and I liked what I see out of Benjamin. Um, he's one of those guys. I feel like the same with you. I didn't really know a whole lot about for me this year, going into this year, and I could easily see him going to a team in the second or third round and just really kind of taking off and being a like we're watching right now, like an Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones wasn't exactly the most highly regarded running back coming out of college. I mean, he did get drafted in the second round, as obviously with the Packers, but um, I mean, he wasn't going as high as some of the other running backs were that that year. Um, 
I'm a big fan. Like I said, dual threat. They facilitate the offense through him. Not the flashiest guy, but possesses some really strength and some power um, that I love seeing out of out of a running back. And I think that he's going to be one of these underrated, under the radar guys that get drafted in the second or third round of a Debbie draft and is like, you know, wow, like this is. I'm so glad I took this guy at that time. And that's just it. You just said it, and and it's been said on other podcasts. It's been said on Twitter. These 2020 firsts and these these. Um, in the fantasy league, not so much Debbie, because obviously these, these players have most likely already been drafted, but in your, your fantasy leagues where, you know, you've got your rookie drafts, 2021st are, are just outrageously expensive. Collect as many second rounds as you can, because guys like this are going to fall there. Now they could have a great combine. They can get an amazing landing spot and it might push them into that first round, you know, discussion. But more more than likely, they're going to be early, mid-second round, let's say. And if you've got four, five, you know, 20, 20 seconds, you're more than likely going to get this guy. And you're, you're going to be happy that you do. So, you know, if the first are a little bit too expensive, um, you don't want to pay that much, then, then get some seconds and definitely you, you'll get some top talent, you know, top talent, not just at the running back position. And we'll get more into that in some later episodes. But you're going to get some decent, or actually some really good talent in the second round still. Yeah, because you think about it, if a guy like him, if he if he right now, I mean, sitting in the top ten of of a draft, you know, of the draft board, in my opinion, for running back rankings. But if, if a guy like him falls or goes up, you, I mean, you're just knocking down some real other really good running backs. Exactly. You know, and like you said, we'll talk about it in future episodes. But the right, wide receiver position is just as loaded as the maybe not just as loaded, but it's loaded like the running back is as well. And the second those second round picks are are premium right now and i would definitely try to get as many as possible if you're on the on the cusp of like that i'm in a dynasty league right now i'm on the cusp of really being awful and i'm not tanking for two i'm tanking for somebody but it's definitely not two but i am in the process of trading every asset i got right now to acquire to get some of these younger guys that are coming out of this draft that are going to be available in that mid-tier round um who's the next guy you got for us stoops the next guy that I've got in line here is going to be Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, running back out of Vanderbilt. He was another four-star prospect coming out of high school. He was actually 313th in his class, so definitely not one of the, the highly touted guys coming out. Um, 35th overall running back at the position, um, 10th in his state. So, again, not not a highly ranked guy, but he's definitely started to make a name for himself while he's been at Vanderbilt. He's number one on the team in, in total yards um, from scrimmage right now, the distribution, 32.3%. So he is even more involved um, than Eno is in that Vanderbilt offense. So definitely, definitely love watching him play. He's had uh, very good performances just about every single week. His worst game was against Purdue, and he had 56 rushing yards and a touchdown. So you're going to take that with four receptions at 22 yards. So he's just putting up numbers week after week, even against Georgia, 15 rushing attempts, 74 yards, um, no touchdowns uh, on the ground or receiving, but 24 receiving yards on three catches. So he's he's definitely used, as you've said, dual threat style running back, gets the ball, whether it be a handoff or whether it be a, a pass, you know, as a running out running out to the side and catches those passes and up the field he goes so definitely love watching him play um he's basically he's again he's not a guy that's used too terribly much in the red zone um he's only got five rushing attempts in the red zone he does have three touchdowns so you're definitely going to take that percentage more likely than not he's he's getting into there um and the in the end zone on those short yardage plays so definitely love to see that 383 rushing yards outside the red zone on 64 rushing attempts um, with a 52-yard rushing touchdown against LSU. So he did it against a top program um, in the country right now. And he he had a stellar game against LSU, 20 rushing attempts, 130 yards, and two touchdowns. So, you know, and, and we say this a lot. When, when team, or I'm sorry, when players go up against a, a lesser opponent, you expect them. And I'm not, not to jump onto Jonathan Taylor, but people are saying, well, it was Kent State this week. It was Kent State. Yeah, and he did what he was supposed to do. So when when a player comes out and, and does go against a top-notch program and then do, does what a Keyshawn Vaughn did, where 20 rushing attempts, 130 yards, two touchdowns against an LSU, that just speaks to what he is capable of doing. And he, you know... It shows he's not afraid of competition. And when you get to the D1 level, you got to think. These guys love that. They love the stage, the big stage. They love to go against top-notch programs. Um, and he's definitely showing that right now um, throughout his whole career, especially this season, though. Yeah, this is one guy I'm really excited about. Um, if you think Eno Benjamin can fall into that class, I think Keyshawn Vaughn mm -hmm. is potentially just as good as he is. Um, 
one this is this is a couple of insane stats i mean you touch on a lot of the things that there is um to talk about this guy but i mean he is he plays at vanderbilt i mean i, I actually you know living in nashville understand that vanderbilt is not exactly a football school they they don't they don't get the best talents in the world but some when the talents do come out of vanderbilt it's pretty impressive I mean, last year, 14-14 in yards, 14 total touchdowns, 8.3 yards per touch. This year, um, he's already got 16 catches out of the backfield in five games. He had 13 all of last season. I really love that. Um, He's trying to – I think they're trying to increase his ability to show that he's a three-down back because in in my top, I think, 10 or 15, I think he's one of the only seniors – um, in my rankings, there's a whole lot of junior running backs coming out that we think that we've talked about before and said on here that there's a potential uh, got one of the, one or two of these guys obviously going back um, to see if maybe their value will be a little bit better next year. He's got 22 first downs already. One in three carries on first and 10, he gets a first down. That's absurd. Wow. That's that's an absurd stat. Um, he's averaging 6.8, per, uh, 6.8 yards per carry on first down. Um, he just jump start jump starts the drive for the offense. Um, I, honestly, we know you know I, like I said with Vandy not being as as well as some of these other schools, he's still getting the job done against a lot of good schools. I mean, he had a fantastic game against um against LSU. I loved watching him break out. He's only had 515 career touches, and he's a senior. I think that's something that stands out as well. I think that we're going to see Keyshawn Vaughn really get to stand out at the Senior Bowl. Um, Like I said, he's one of the only guys that we talk about on this podcast so far that is going to be able to be eligible to go play at the Senior Bowl. So that's going to be nice to see him come out of there. Um, A lot of the other stuff that I had to talk about, obviously you touched on, but I like Keyshawn Vaughn a lot, and I think that he's got a potential um, to be just like an Eno Benjamin in that next level, and he's going to be killer in that second round of these uh, uh, upcoming um, dynasty drafts or the rookie drafts and stuff like that. Stoops. I completely agree. And, and, and that's, that's why in my, especially in my home league, I have been accumulating as many second rounds as I possibly can. I tried to get one today and the guy, he he's not moving his second round. So he's got two of them. I've got four. I tried to get one more. He's not doing it. So definitely he's a guy you could, you could scoop up in that second round um, and, and be very, very happy about it. It's just, it's, it's just, it's so crazy. so crazy to me how, how deep this class is. And I know you, you really pointed it out a couple of weeks ago and saying that this is probably the best running back class that we're going to have maybe ever. And it's going to be interesting because even the next guy we're going to talk about, I mean, Cam Akers is also another guy that is another really, really good running back that is just stuck in a class full of studs. And what do you got for Cam Akers for us, bud? And he was the guy that, that came out freshman season and he was number one on a lot of guys, um, Debbie rankings as a freshman, number one, again, these are the guys we're talking about now, but he was the number one guy um, at one point. And then he comes back sophomore season and the, we've said it, the Florida state team, just, they were not good. So he, he was not getting involved last season as, as we would have liked to see, but this year, as we said on previous episodes, he's coming back around. He's finally able to, they're getting him more involved. They're giving him the ball. They realized, Hey, you're our best player. We should probably give you the ball. <laughs> exactly. So, um, he's a five-star prospect coming out of high school. He was ranked third in his class, third overall. Um, and he was the number two overall, um, running back, um, in his class. So definitely, definitely a highly, highly touted running back coming out of high school. Um, and he, he's lived up to it. You know, yeah, the sophomore season was a little bit, a little bit light from what we wanted to see, but overall this dude's been killing it since he got into college. He's number one on the team again, 31.5% for scrimmage yards. Um, and, and again, they've realized it. Let's get him the ball. He's our best guy. Um, he's had phenomenal games each and every week. Um, against Boise State, 118 rushing yards, one touchdown. UL Monroe, 193 on 36 rushing attempts. So they definitely fed him the ball. Two touchdowns. Um, he had five receptions for 55 yards and another touchdown. Accounted for 14 first downs. That, to me, and 
you in, in early on episodes, you really started, you just started to, to nail it in first downs, first downs. How, how many first downs are they being accounted for? And since you started doing that, I've really started to focus in on that. And he had 14 and one game. So he just, he's been killing it. Um, only got one fumble on the season. So definitely, you know, again, any fumbles, a bad fumble, but um, definitely, definitely taking care of the ball whenever it's in his hands. Um, again, not you actually he's used quite a bit more in the red zone than a lot of the other guys again he's the best player on the team so they give him the ball he's had 22 rushing attempts inside the red zone for 63 yards and five touchdowns um on the ground he also has one receiving touchdown inside the red zone as well so um phenomenal pass catcher he's basically caught 17 of 15 um or 15 of 17 i guess would be the correct way to see it say it so um catches the ball when it's thrown his way and again he's got big playability he's got a 44 yard touchdown 41 and a 38 yard touchdown as well so long yardage touchdowns definitely capable of it um man this guy this guy he's you gotta you're gonna have to have a first round uh 2020 pick to get this guy oh i totally agree 100 percent. this is um i think cam Akers' stock is gonna rise depending on where he lands um, there's some things that I like. Uh, he's got some really good footwork. Um, he's a dual threat running back. I think he's low key having his best season. Um, mm-hmm. he really is. I mean, he's got a 582 or 690 total yards. He's already got nine touchdowns. He only had eight his sophomore year and eight his freshman year. You're right. He had a little bit of a down year last year, but I don't think that was his fault. Um, he caught some more balls out of the backfield last year. I did like that. He did have 30 less carries last year as well. So even if you want to add that up, he was probably approaching almost. Eight or nine hundred yards to the, uh, on the ground. If he would have had as many carries as he the year before, you're right. They are finally using this guy the way they should have. He is easily their best player, and it has shown consistently over and over again. Um, I mean, the big game, obviously against Louisiana Monroe, was a massive game. But uh, I mean, he had over 240 total yards in that game. Um, he's had almost 100 yards in every single game this year total. Um, it's been beautiful to watch. Um, uh, he's got 15 catches, like I said, through three, uh, through five games. He had 23 in the la- in uh, 12 games last year. Um, honestly, he's he's probably one of my favorite targets. He's just he's just really good. I mean, he's just so good. And the 34 first downs, like you already said, 22 carries in the red zone, uh, five touchdowns. Um, he's got nine carries on third and short, and eight of them were for first downs. <laughs> that blows my mind. That's a, I mean, that's just you're just handing the guy the ball whenever the you know you need him to get a first down. That's the guy you're handing the ball off to. Um, I will say this: fumbles are an issue. Acres had five in 2018, mm-hmm. um, but he only had one this year, like you pointed on. Um, I think that's a massive improvement as you see more and more carries throughout the year. I would love to see him kind of finish the year with the onesie twosie. To be honest with you, because if he, you know, I don't want the fumbling problem could be an issue that could turn obviously people away from him. The five in his sophomore year is an issue, but at the same time, he's only got the one through 130 touches this year. So I do like that, and I do think that's a positive change in the right direction for him. Um, again, with Acres, it's it's a product of being in a very very talented draft class and. You know, I said the same thing about Swift, but if Acres, you know, Acres in this bottom half of this uh, of these rankings, if he is that top guy in five years or in the top two or three, it would not surprise me at all because this guy has got so much talent um, and the capability of being a three-down workhorse for some team in the NFL. And whatever whatever team gets these guys is going to be. A steal because if you wait for a running back, we've talked about this, and I think that I think you really kind of turned my head for it in saying that the Dolphins should probably wait on some. You know, the, this this draft is so deep, and the Dolphins have so many holes. So theoretically, you could wait for a quarterback, you could wait for a running back, and even at the wide receiver wide receiver position, you kind of kind of wait as well. And if the Dolphins kind of fill the holes where they need to on the defensive side of the ball, maybe get some O linemen as well. These later half traffic, like Cam Akers, would be a perfect fit in the second round for the, for the Miami Dolphins. You know what I mean? He per- that that to me is like an ideal fit for them um, on paper or any any team that needs talent. You know what I mean? It, it's just any team that is lacking the ability. You've got um, a lot of bad teams this year. You've got a lot of bad teams in the NFL and and uh, a team like uh, Washington. I understand that they have uh, uh, Darius Goose and he's been hurt consistently, but. You've got a lot of teams that could use a world-class running back, and Cam Akers is that guy. 
No, I completely agree with you. So it'd be interesting to see. And yeah, I, you know, we talked about it um, definitely off air about Miami. Is Josh Rosen, you know, this amazing high, high elite level guy? No, not necessarily. But I think he is a good enough quarterback to get the job done. So I think they should address their their issues elsewhere. But it's Miami. They have done crazier things. So it will be interesting to see how they, you know, approach the draft once that time comes a little little closer. For sure. I totally agree. All right, folks, the guys we're going to talk about now is we decided to take one or two guys that are in that bottom tier of our rankings, and that could really be on that next level in a couple of years. And some, some of these guys you should be paying attention that you can get in the latter part of your rookie drafts or even in your um, Devi leagues. You can look at these guys as well. Um, and Stoops, I'm going to let you kick it off with your first guy. Yeah, so the guy that I'm going to talk about first is um, – Najee Harris out of Alabama. And and I've said it on previous episodes. I've never been a huge fan of Alabama running backs. They do amazing in college, and then they get to the pros. And, and for the most part, they kind of just fizzle out. There's been a couple, you know, but for the most part, they just kind of fizzle out once they make the pros. But to me, it just they're just it feels something a little different about Harris. Um, he was a five-star prospect coming out of high school. Um, number two in his class, he was actually ranked above Cam Akers, and he was the number one overall running back. Um, number two in the state he was behind I think it was like a defensive end so um, who was the number one overall in the class but definitely another highly touted running back coming out of high school um, and being at Alabama it, it, they do it by running back by committee it's it's just how a lot of these top programs have have been doing it uh, with the exception of a couple around the the country but for the most part Alabama's just done that year in and year out so um, he doesn't have as much of a a workload which is a great thing you you know, again, I've, I've said it before where, you know, yeah, this guy may have, you know, hundreds of, of, of rushing attempts. But to me, it's it's not a huge deal when you're in college just because if you're that elite of a player, you're probably not getting touched as much. Um, but again, if you if you don't have as many touches like that, just, you know, bodes even even better for you whenever you do start making it to the the, the pro level so they can start giving you the ball quite a bit more. But um, catches the ball very, very well. Um Everyone's watched the South Carolina game. He he just had that that amazing catch where he stiff-armed a guy to the ground and then he hurdled the other guy and he just started running past everyone. It was just phenomenal athleticism and just great football IQ. Um, not a fan of the hurdling still. We've, we've talked about that before, but um, he did it and it, it worked well for him. But he's caught every single pass that's been thrown his way. Um, again, in that South Carolina game, five catches, 87 yards for two touchdowns. Um, he, he's just he's just killing it on the ground as well. I mean, he had 52 rushing. I'm sorry, 52 rushing yards against Duke, 70 against New Mexico State. Um, only had 36 rushing yards against South Carolina, but again, made up for it on the ground. 90 against Southern Miss and 71 against Ole Miss. So um, he's just a very very athletic guy. Um, inside the red zone again, not a whole lot of work. He's only had two rushing attempts uh, for six yards and a touchdown inside the red zone. So it doesn't get used a whole lot there. Um, and he's only number three on the team in total scrimmage yard um, distribution of 15.7. But I mean, look at the Alabama team. They've got Jerry Judy. They've got Devontae Smith. They've got Henry Ruggs. They've got the list just goes on. You know what I mean? We've said this time and time again, but when you watch Harris with the ball in his hands, it's to me, it just it feels a little different than what I've seen from other Alabama running backs. And I wasn't even a huge Josh Jacobs guy, and everyone loved him. They just absolutely loved him. And I just wasn't a huge fan of him. But with Harris, I, as I've just been repeating myself, it just feels different. There's just something about him that I do like. Um, definitely, I think a lot of it is going to be landing spot dependent. So we're going to have to see kind of where he gets drafted once that time comes around. But right now, um, again, leading into the, the bulk of their schedule, I'm going to be very interested to see what he can start doing against these top-notch defenses in the SEC um, and just kind of see see what the production will be whenever they start coming out of those games. Yeah, it kind of blows my mind because I'm with you uh, when it comes down to that. It, it's he's, he's, he's impressive when he touches the ball. Um, I mean, you, you know, he's averaging 6.2 6 yards a carry, which is nice. Um, I mean, he hasn't seen the ball more than, what, you know, 14 times the most carries he's had in the game this year are 14 mm -hmm. and that's that's not a really a whole lot so his stats aren't going to be as impressive as some of the other guys that we talk about obviously because he's not a workhorse I mean whenever you have a team that's scoring from you know 70 60 50 yards out as consistent as Alabama does you really don't have to worry about 
him, uh, you know, running the ball a whole lot. I mean, whenever he does get the ball, he does do his business and take care of his business. That that that, that game against South Carolina was pretty insane. What he did um, catching the ball. Um, I do think that he's got a more dual threat ability than uh, Jacobs had. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think Jacobs is as good with his hands as uh, Harris is. Um, I do think that his 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 what what his draft is going to be like is where his landing spot, and you hit that right on the head because I think it's going to be very contingent on that because I, I'm not going to sit here and say that he's going to be a three down back, but this guy's a big dude. You know what I mean? Sixteen yeah. to thirty. That's a he's a big dude. He's going to be a bruising back that. You know, I feel like if he has the right landing spot, he's going to be very good. So I am I, I'm not super high on Harris and I, I'm in the same boat with you when it comes to talking about Alabama running backs. They have the they have the off the ability to go to the NFL and just kind of be duds. And it wouldn't really surprise me if Harris did the same, but at the same time I think he's more talented than Jacobs was. And I was in the same boat with you, Jacobs. Now don't get me wrong, Jacobs has been very impressive. This year, he had another big game today for Oakland, but he still is a one-dimensional running back. And in a league of three-down running backs and hurry-up offenses, and uh, Jacobs still has to come off the field from time to time whenever they're trying to run a hurry-up offense, and that's not good for a running back. Exactly. I completely agree. Uh, my first guy I'm going to talk about is A.J. Dillon. Uh, I am a big fan of A.J. Dillon out of Boston College. Three-star running back, actually, out of Newland, Connecticut. Um, his freshman season, he was an absolute uh, wrecking ball. Um, he had uh, 300, 300 carries. First off, it's absurd to think about. 300 carries, 1,589 yards, and uh, 14 touchdowns. Um, that was quite impressive for me, obviously, out of the gate. His sophomore year was a little bit down, but at the same time, he only played in 10 games last year versus 13 in his uh, freshman season. So he still had 1,149 total yards and 11 touchdowns, which is, again, a very solid season. And to be honest with you guys, he is on an absolute tear of this year. I think that he is on pace for his, obviously, to uh, to supersede his first freshman year. He's got 745 yards so far this year and six touchdowns, and he's actually catching the ball out of the backfield. He's got seven catches, 138 yards. And a touchdown out of the backfield for a total of 883 yards. He's averaging 5.2 yards per rush, which I do really like, obviously. Um, uh, Dylan has had some really big games this year. Uh, Before the Louisville game, he had three straight games of 150 rushing yards, um, which is very impressive. But now he's had four straight games of having over 100 yards. He's actually had five straight games with 100 total yards. And his first game, he had 90. So he's been very impressive out of the gate this year. Um, he's had, se- you know, like I said, the seven catches through um, eight games this year. He only had eight through the first 23 games of his of his career. So that obviously is a step in the right direction. 32 first downs, 29 rushes in the red zone. Um, that's pretty insane. One, one, I think it's like one fourth of his rushing attempts have happened in the red zone, which is a pretty absurd number. Um, he's got very nice low body strength is impressive. His change of direction is very nice. He's not the fastest guy in this back, but he's a very good change of pace back. Um, he can find the holes when needed, which is obviously something that you really need to have when, when being a running back. Um, I am very high on AJ Dillon. Um, he's another guy that I could talk about for quite some time and just looking through his stats, looking through his numbers and watching him play on the football field. Um, to be honest with you, I could, I, I don't see a re- He's one of the juniors. I don't really see a reason why he comes back next year. Um, so I think that he does play. I think he does enter for the draft this year. I just don't see a whole reason why. Why he's gonna have well over almost 800 carries under his belt or 800 touches whenever he uh, finishes out his junior year. And it's Boston College. I mean, he's not going back to winning any national championships or anything like that. So I can see him easily declare. Um, but Dylan is very impressive. He's a work ha- workhorse. And like I said, I do love the added dimension of the catching the ball back uh, ball out of the backfield this year. Um, it, I, I like him a whole lot, Steeps. I completely agree. And you, you said it. I just don't see a reason for him to come back. He... What what else can you do? You know, especially whenever you you you've seen as much you know play time on the field as as what he has. So definitely, it's Boston College. You said it. Just you're not coming back for a national championship. You're not coming back for anything. You know that that you're you're in contention for. So it's definitely definitely in his best interest to go ahead and just declare after the season. Um, 
definitely see see where you're gonna head out. But man, I love watching him play. I've actually got him on one of my Debbie teams. Um and I'm really hoping for a good landing spot, but nonetheless, I, I think he's a guy that can just find a role on pretty much any team, um, you know, and just kind of build that, you know, injuries happen. We hate to say it, but injuries happen. And he's a guy that if he had to jump in and take over that role, I think he'd be able to excel in it. So definitely someone that I, I've been keeping an eye on and someone I really like. Who's the next guy on your list there, Soups? So the guy that I have next, um, and I'll, I'll be honest, he's actually not even in my top 15, but he's a guy that I really, really like. Um, a guy that I think can start to make a name for himself and start to climb a little bit up the draft boards. Not necessarily a top 10 guy, I'm not saying that, but someone who who can who can start making a name for him. And that's, that's uh, Rakeem Boyd, running back out of Arkansas. Um, he did start off his college career at A&M, just didn't quite go as, as well as he planned. Transferred to um, basically community college, went to independence, um, did very, very well there. Um, I don't have the stats pulled up, but I think he had about 1,200 rushing yards and 14 touchdowns. So definitely got some interest again from some D1 programs. Ended up going to Arkansas. So that's where he's at now. He was a three-star prospect coming out of high school. He was ranked 110th in his class, and he was the sixth overall running back. So he was um, pretty highly touted coming out of high school. So the talent's been there from the start. You know, yeah, he was a three-star prospect, but um, the talent's there. The talent's been there. He's number one on the team right now in total um, – uh, distribution for the scrimmage yards, 24.5%. So definitely he is getting involved um, early and often in that offense. Um, he He's just been killing it on the ground. And again, he's averaging about 18, 19 rushing attempts a game. And he had 114 rushing yards against Portland State, only at 67 against Ole Miss, but against Colorado State, 122 with two touchdowns. Um, San Jose State, he, he had 18 carries, 91 yards, no touchdowns. And A&M, to me, that did feel like kind of a redemption game because, again, he started there. Um, not necessarily there was any bad blood per se, but, you know, when you leave a program, it's kind of that uh, – you know, you've got that extra little little chip on your shoulder, but 18 rushing attempts, 89 yards, two receptions um, for 10 yards. So essentially had almost 100 total yards from scrimmage there. So love to see that out of him. And he's just a physical runner, man. He 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 loves the contact. He's not afraid of it. Um, very solid guy. Um, in a sense, he's almost he almost looks kind of like a bowling ball, but he's got some some agility to him as well. He's able to to make some plays when the ball the ball's in his hand. Um, used a little bit in the red zone. Nothing nothing spectacular, but nine rushing attempts, 37 yards with two touchdowns. So um, definitely love to, to see what, what's coming out of him, especially at Arkansas. Again, not a powerhouse program, but, you know, in, in the SEC, and this goes for any conference, honestly, when you're playing conference opponents – it's just something different. You know, it's just that level of competition. You want to beat that 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 conference opponent. Um, you want to win every game, obviously. I don't want to lose anything, but it's just, you know, that different spark, it just kind of triggers you a little bit different. So um, Rakeem Boyd's a guy that I would definitely keep an eye on. Again, I'm not saying he's going to be one of these top-notch, you know, you have to have him kind of guys, but he's a guy, depending on the the, the how deep your, your rookie drafts are, Debbie drafts or anything like that, third, fourth round, honestly, I would feel 100% com comfortable getting him in the you know mid to late third rounds if, if you can get him there um i actually picked him up off the waivers in my debbie league um he went undrafted whenever we did the startup for the debbie portion he went undrafted i picked him up and i've been starting him essentially every single week so um definitely a guy to keep an eye on someone you should definitely be some take, taking some notes on watch an arkansas game and you'll you'll kind of see what i'm talking about the stats don't necessarily always give away um what a player is capable of doing so um definitely watch some film and and it, not to go on a huge tangent, I used to, be, and I still love numbers. I absolutely love looking at the numbers, you know, yards per carry and just total yards in general. But I've started to kind of make it more of like a 60-40 split to where I've got my stats over here. But I watch some film because there's some guys like, if, I, for example, to jump back, Harris. If I look at the numbers, I'm going to be like, man, why do I want him? You know, his numbers aren't that great. But then I watch the film and I'm like, oh, you know what? I actually like him a lot. So Rakeem Boyd's another one of those guys. So watch some film. Go to YouTube even. Just watch his gameplay. And and I, I think you'll you'll kind of see what I'm talking about. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I mean, because whenever we sit here and talk about certain guys and, and, and not having those numbers um, that – prototypical other guys have you just look at the tape and it's like well okay i mean he, he's made some really good runs and and rocky boy is somebody that i personally myself don't know a whole lot of um i know a whole lot about um whenever you mentioned his name i 
legitimately had to go. And I, I've seen a little bit of his action play this year because I've seen, I've watched a little bit of Arkansas. I've watched, I've tried to watch as much college football as I possibly can. There's a few things that I that I've noticed about him that I like, and and one of the things that I've noticed is is this year he's up around 91 carries already through the year. He's only got the one fumble. Um, he did have the three fumbles last year, which is a little bit concerning. But some of the numbers between the tackles that uh, re- that I really like um, on second and medium, he's got about six and a half uh, yards per carry clip. First and ten, six six point seven. Um, that's I mean, fifty carries on first down. You can tell that they facilitate that offense through him. But to average six point seven yards per carry on first and ten. Um, just like we talked about with these other running backs, six carries on first down. I mean, you can't complain about that. I mean, you have two carries, you have two, uh, you have second and third down. You get you know three or four yards. I mean, you can't really complain about that at all. Um, you're like, I think the red zone work um, would be higher if this team was in the red zone a little bit more. I would say, yeah. Um, you can't really hold, uh, uh, you can't hold a running back accountable for certain stats that he doesn't have like a uh, like a Jonathan Taylor does, you know, because of the specific, you know, the the fact that their offense is not as good as some of these other offenses are. So you can't hold that up against them, but it'd be interesting to see and kind of watch this guy moving forward that uh I'll be interested to see what he could do. I mean, you're right. I mean, 18 18 carries, you know, he's averaging what? He's got about 17 carries per game this year, so he's able to uh carry the rock and do it in a very good fashion. Yep, I completely agree. Definitely got to keep an eye on. Uh, what I want to transition to now is obviously I want to talk about our rankings. And obviously the rankings, um, you know, Stoops and I have our own rankings and they're separate from here. Um, Stoops, I think I'll kick it off with my top five. You kind of give your top five and we'll kind of go back and forth until we get to 15. Does that sound good to you? Works for me. So my top five, top five as it sits right now is obviously Jonathan Taylor's number one. And after this week, I think that he's consistently showed why he's number one. I've seen a lot of question marks around Jonathan Taylor, but I'm sorry. He has solidified himself at one. I think he's the best back in this draft, and I don't think that's going to change from here, October 6th to December 6th. I don't think that's really going to change. I got Chuba at two. I'm a big fan of Chuba. DeAndre Siff at three. J.K. Dobbins at four. And I've actually got Eno Benjamin at five. I like it. You did. You you moved moved some people around. Um, so the way mine sits again, Jonathan Taylor. You said it. The dude's a stud. I mean, he he just comes in, and and it's funny how how when we talked about him last week, how I had mentioned teams know what Wisconsin's going to do. They know Taylor's getting the ball, and they can't stop him. When I was watching this this uh, the previous week against Kent State, the announcer said the exact same thing. They, the teams know what Wisconsin's doing, and they can't stop them. So dude's in a league of his own, honestly, at this point. Um, I, I think he's just an absolute stud. He's my clear-cut number one. J.K. Dobbins, I got him at number two. Uh, number three, I've got Chuba. He just continues to do it week after week. you know. And, and could I move him to number two at some point? I, I, I would not be shocked if I do. If he continues the season he's having, I, I could easily put him up there. But got him sitting at number three right now. Uh, DeAndre Swift sw- sitting at number uh, four, and I still got Travis Etienne at number five. Yeah, uh, Etienne, uh, he actually kicks off my number six. Um, I, I think he's a guy that could easily move up to three with just a great uh, second half of the college football season. Um, I got Keyshawn Vaughn at seven, Cam Akers at eight, uh, Najee Harris at nine, and then I got A.J. Dillon at ten. I like it. I like it. So for me, I've got Cam Akers sitting at number six. Um he is one of the guys that that I do think once I really sit down and start looking at it again, I think he's going to move into my top five. Um, he's just he's just doing it week after week, you know, and, and we already talked about him, but I, I love what I'm seeing so far. So he's sitting at number six for me. Number seven, I've got Eno Benjamin. Number eight, I've got A.J. Dillon. Number nine, Kylan Hill. And I've got number 10 uh, sitting with Keyshawn Vaughn. That's really – that really hurts my feeling that got, you got Keyshawn at 10. That kind of I know, I know. I like him a little bit more than you do, but that's not really surprising. I mean, we've got we've talked about it a thousand times. I mean, Stoops and I text throughout the weeks and stuff like that, and and it's kind of funny. I, I completely forgot this is this is a, just a different tangent for whatever. But it's funny. I like right before we podcasted, I sent you a text message and asked you to send me your top fifteen, and completely forgot to send you my top fifteen. I was like, I felt like because like whenever I said that, I was like, oh yeah, as you said, oh you changed up your rankings a little bit. I was like, yeah, actually I did, and then I realized that I didn't text you my rankings before the uh, podcast. So you're welcome. Yeah, I felt that. I felt a little left out, but that's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, at number eleven, I've got Zach Moss. Uh, Twelve, Lamichael P Ryan. Um, I actually like P Ryan a lot. Um, um, I've watched him come out of Florida, and somebody that I'm really keeping an eye on 
um, and see what he kind of does on this second half of the season as well. Michael Warren Jr. at 13, Trey Sermon at number 14, and J.J. Taylor closing out my top 15. Man, ours looks uh, somewhat close. Not not exactly, but pretty pretty close. So number 11, I've got Najee Harris. Number 12, I've got Zach Moss. Um, I like him a lot. He, the one thing that I will say about him is he's – I hate using this term, but he's injury prone. He gets hurt quite a bit. Sometimes it's ticky tack injuries. Sometimes I think he missed the last couple weeks uh, of last season. So could they be fluke injuries? Absolutely. It's a football is a, it's a physical game. So, um, but I absolutely love Zach Moss. I hope he doesn't become like a Rodney Anderson. Now Rodney Anderson's injuries were much more serious and and I, I I hate to say it, but um, he just can't catch a break. And I hope Zach Moss doesn't kind of go down that same, same path where he just can't catch a break, but love him sitting at number 12, number 13. I've got Michael Warren, number 14. I've got Trey Sermon and uh, running on my top 15. I've got a, Jatarvius Whitlow out of Auburn. Uh, the funny thing that you said about this, and one guy I wish that I guess I would have talked about a little bit more today was Michael Warren Jr. I love that guy. Yeah. I love Warren Jr. And obviously he's not as talked about as much as everybody else is because he's, you know, in Cincinnati. But, I mean, he had a monster season uh, a year ago. He had 20 total touchdowns and 1,561 yards. Obviously, you know, yeah, he plays in the American Conference, whatever. But uh, I like that kid a whole, whole lot. And, uh, I would like to see a lot of things out of him because, I mean, he's a he's a complete back, too. You know what I mean? He does catch the ball out of the backfield, and I think that he's one guy that I wish I probably would have talked about because I'm a big fan of his. I, I like him a lot, and he's one of those that, that um, unless a bigger game is on TV, um, I've got a little setup where I can kind of watch two games at a time, but I'll have the Cincinnati game on. Um, I love watching him play. just love watching what he's capable of doing. So if a Cincinnati game's on and I don't have a, you know, top-ranked opponents going up against each other. I'll watch a Cincinnati game. Um, love what he can do, and I you know, I love what he's doing this season. All right, folks, do us a favor. Head on over to Expand the Box Score. Um, check out the, the website. It's a fantastic. It's got some great tools that we use consistently on a week-to-week basis. Um, you can use code uh, STOOPS and get 10% off. Um, they've got a great NFL DFS tool and a great college football DFS tool. And then their databases are even cooler. And I'm, I'm a big fan of those. Um, head on over to Twitter. Give them a follow at, uh, at XTV Box Score. Uh, give my boy here, Stoops, a follow at Stoops1990. Give myself a follow at Ricky Valera underscore. And give the show a follow at The Debbie Delight. And folks, thanks for tuning in. And as always, uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. See y'all later. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.